Hey everybody, welcome back to Space Anime. It's a podcast of the uh, Jazz Lactic Heroes. I'm still figuring it. We're working it out. Jazz with a G. Jazz. You know? Hey, hey, if George Lucas can get away with just calling jazz jizz and being like, (laughs) this is fine, and making an instrument called the jizz box, which just unacceptable, George. There's also the plume sounder, also unacceptable, George. We can just say gaz. So, yeah, podcast of the Giz Lactic Heroes. (laughs) Fuck them. We're talking about Cowboy Bebop, and it's episodes five to eight today. Uh, let me go ahead though, and uh, Kuvo has decided how we're going to break up episodes here because uh, we got to like work in the movie or whatever. So you want to run through yeah. what the what the splits are going to be real quick? Just yeah. So Bebop skip has ahead a- like thirty seconds if you don't care and are just ready to be excited. <laughs> yeah, Bebop has a couple two part episodes plus it also has a movie which kind of is an episode. So we had to break it up in the kind of a weird way. So uh, we're doing five through eight today. Uh, next week is nine through eleven. Haha. After that is twelve through fifteen. Uh, then I'm sorry, I don't understand what was funny about that. <laughs> Could we go back and revisit that oh, one? The funny part was that uh, when this was airing on uh-huh. Adult Swim, uh, because of 9-11, yes. they had to edit and delay some of the episodes that show up because of uh, certain imagery, which we'll talk about. But um, Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah, so, Wait, holy shit. That actually, you're right. Oh, my God. I can't believe you managed to yeah, loop that like around. I was trying to roast your nuts for doing a 9-11 goof. And then, uh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Good save. Hey, everybody listening to the podcast. Just wanted you to know that I set up Kubo to get fucking dunked, and he uh, was ready. Dude, I'm two so, steps ahead of you here. Yeah, damn, good shit. Before we even started recording, I mentioned nobody laugh at 9-11, and sure enough, damn, damn. All right, well, We're continue with your, uh, your episode ordering, you big dork. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 12 through 15, then 16 through 19, then 20 through 22, and then the movie shows up, and then the last uh, 23 through 26. So... Mm-hmm. If you're watching a lot at home, go ahead and do those. We'll try to remember at the end of the episode here to remind you to watch 9 through 11 again. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, weird ones here just because Bebop does have a lot of two and three parters. Not like, nearly as clean as we've had in the past. No, and it's less episodes, and that's fine. Because once again, we're going to be doing real quick through the stories here and then just mostly talking about the uh, style. Yeah, Because that's, that's a- really what... That's another we thing we talked about uh, last week after I gave my fucking 20-minute long with this speech. Uh, we kind of just decided that since <laughs> everyone has, one, seen this, and two, so much of it is stylistic choices rather than, like, philosophical or and, story like, content. you need to see it is the thing. Like, a podcast is only going to get you so far. Like, if you just listen to the abridged version of, like, you know, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, I get it. It's huge. And words <laughs> will get you 99% of the way there. Honestly, I would say discussing Legend of the Galactic Heroes is the final extra 10% after Legend of the Galactic Heroes. <laughs> but Cowboy Bebop, basically there's going to be parts where I'm just going to be like, bang, bang, cowboy, yeehaw, shit, it rules. <laughs> and like, you just have to kind of be like, ah, yes, yeehaw, cowboy, bang, bang, shit. Yeah, no, I love that stuff. Or you can watch it, like, you stupid moron. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess all but like three people that are listening to this have probably seen it anyway. So I don't think there's going to be a big deal if we just kind of gloss over what the episodes are about really quickly. And to those three people, just go watch it because it's good. So. Just watch Cowboy Viva. And you know what? Hey, I've watched it like 14 times already. Just watch it again. It's still still pretty good so far. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still liking it. I reckon there's probably going to be a lot of people like me who watched it years and years ago and, and haven't seen it since. So go watch it again. It's worth it. Yeah, you find new things on every subsequent watch through. It's really good. Yeah. 
Um, so I guess if we want to just hop right into the episode of the description, uh, episode five is called Ballad of the Fallen Angels. Um, to go through it real quick, uh, we see Shot of Mao. He is a leader of the Red Dragon Syndicate. He's signing a peace deal with a rival syndicate. He's very happy that this peace deal has gone through because um, there's been a lot of tension. So after they signing, uh, he's watching out the window. The chopper with the other rival syndicate guy on it explodes and then Vicious comes in and kills him. Basically, to this opening sequence, the amount of tension they build up and express in the room is unfucking believable. Like, imagine two people, both who are convinced, A, everyone else in the room is going to kill them, B, they should probably order everyone else in the room around them to be killed, and C, but they need to play nice for, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> because they know if they don't play nice, everybody so, is going to die, yeah. Yep. It's so tense. And like, then they all They die. just straight up, he's just like, <laughs> wow, really good view you have here. Yes, it's a good view. You should come back for dinner sometime. It's to die for. Haha, <laughs> sorry, awkward phrasing. <laughs> no, that's fine. I definitely wouldn't kill you, my friend. <laughs> like, it's just like this super awkward, like, clearly, like, it is it is a good deal for both groups and a big deal. Like, this is two, two rival syndicates that, like, the idea of them working together is fucking wild. Like, that's obviously, like... They establish it really quickly without saying it, is what yeah. I think is important uh, about it. And then it just goes by... It. And, like, it's a backdrop for the episode. The show is so good at doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, to continue on, Jet and Spike are arguing over this bounty. Uh, Jet wants no part in the bounty, but Spike is in uh, because it deals with syndicate stuff. Uh, Jet starts to hint about Spike's past being in the syndicate, but Spike is kind of touchy about it and asks about his arm, and they both are kind of mad at each other. They're interrupted by Faye, and Spike just leaves. Um, Faye gets info about this bounty uh, from a violinist in an orchestra, so she goes to an opera house to try to walk her way into it. She eventually finds Mao's box seat at the opera, but um, she's kind of escorted and stopped by some syndicate guards. And when she goes inside the opera box, she finds that Mao is dead and Vicious is there. Uh, Spike then goes, it cuts over to him. He's meeting with an old friend, Annie. She's very shocked to see him. Um, they start talking, and we learn that Spike is considered dead by many of the people in the syndicate, and that they, he and Annie used to work with Mao. Uh, she pleads with him not to get involved with anything, but he's very headstrong and has to see it He through. spikes and yeah. continues to spike as he does. He goes uh, back to the Bebop to gear up and get some guns and stuff, and Jet fills him in. It's like, hey, Mao's dead. You're going into a trap. But Spike knows this, and he has to go in there because he has a debt to Mao. Uh, they get a call from Faye. Uh, she's been captured by the syndicate, and like she's being held hostage. And so Spike has to go to the cathedral and uh, save her. He Faye takes that pretty well, by the way. Yeah, she really has a lot of faith in these guys that don't really care for her. <laughs> um, Spike shows up at the cathedral. <laughs> Extremely don't care for her. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> by some of, the, some of the exchanges in this episode about their disinterest in Faye is just gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Spike shows up, uh, has a quick chat with Vicious. Um, the main takeaway is that he killed Mao because Mao lost his fangs and is no longer like leading the syndicate he was once part of or whatever. Uh, a shootout starts. Faye eventually escapes. Um, Spike kills a bunch of the syndicate mooks there, but he gets himself injured and eventually gets into like kind of a, I don't know, Mexican standoff situation with Vickis where they have like a gun to his chest and a knife to his chest and whatever. Yeah, they've, they've got each other. Like it, it would be like if both yeah. of them were holding a gun to each other's head, except it's like one has a, <laughs> a sword to yeah. his heart sword. and the other Vicious one has a gun to his heart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, Vicious has a dangerous Japanese katana sword, which he <laughs> holds all the way back with it. It's, it's pretty funny because like, 
Vicious has to have his arm like pulled all the way back to just barely have it in position, and Spike has his arm like fully extended with yeah. a pistol in his chest. It, it just looks fantastic. a little goofy. <laughs> it, yes. It's really well done, and it's really well realized. And like all the imagery in this episode is just like super striking. Anytime Vicious well, and Spike are on that. screen it's together, John Woo is fuck, yeah. But. Yep. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I was waiting so, for the doves. <laughs> yeah, Vicious. Um, <laughs> Vicious tells Spike that they're the same. That like they have the same blood loss, but Spike's like, I left that life behind me. Um, so they shoot each other, stab each other, and then Vicious eventually throws him out the cathedral window where he falls. And during he falls, this fall, he has a flashback to them as partners back during their earlier years. Um, we get to see that they are, it's kind of implied there's a love triangle between them and another woman. Um, Spike, this shows uh, Spike's first original death quote where um, he kind of dies in a shootout. And we saw bits of this at the first episode as well. Yes, it's actually mm-hmm. in the intro, yeah. And it's also in the ending if you watch that, but... It uh, also we'll shows him meeting with this woman um, a bit after he, quote, dies. And then the end of the episode is him waking up on the bebop covered in bandages and telling Faye that she has uh, no tune. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, the match cut between very... him waking up to the other lady singing, and then he wakes up to Faye, and Faye can't sing very well. Yeah. So, like, to yeah, start out it's with. It's implied a... that Julia is, like, this very, you know. Like proper, you know, beautiful singing voice, all this stuff, and then wakes up the pain and is just kind of like, "You're a street rat." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as you were saying earlier in the episode, or uh, Ty, that the tension that was put in the beginning scene is like there's a lot of it, but I think one of the favorite things about the intro of this episode is that they show the way they show uh, Mao's death. So Mao was staring out the window when the hover plane or whatever it has outside exploded and some yeah. mooks come up really close to him and like uh, hold a sword to his neck and so he chats with Vicious in the beginning and says like you know you can't get away with this it's not going to work for you but the way he dies there are like four quick cuts in succession of him getting his throat sliced Vicious's bird by the way he has a giant bird it's eyes <laughs> blinking uh, the bird taking off from Vicious's shoulder and then like a blurred fisheye tilt up of the men stabbing him and then blood hitting the ground. And this all happens within like three seconds. It's super fast, but like it conveys like a lot of information really quickly. I don't know. I really liked that shot. Yeah. And, and it, it's really striking too, because of like how much he is kind of pleading with Vicious, you, you know, like it's one of the things he says right away is just like this doesn't work anymore the syndicates can't live like this fighting each other anymore like it's yeah times have changed dude come on we gotta move on um which again is just that is already so much establishment done like the first four minutes of this episode basically are like a movie's worth of story of setup just like there's a syndicate you understand what's happening you understand kind of what the problem is there's this one dude who's really stuck on the old ways who is willing to just come up and do a murder on them all With you know giant like bird that boss, kind of motherfucker yeah. and um it kind of implies what's this guy's the- nickname vicious oh is that good <laughs> oh, <all right laughs> is he realize- so he's never gonna stop being mad then yeah, that's the long and short of it. <laughs> yeah, the fun part later in the episode, too, is it's implied that uh, Mao was a mentor to both Vicious and Spike. So he's kind mm-hmm. of killing his boss slash dad figure. Mm-hmm. So, Are you it, telling me Vicious isn't his real name? <laughs> Wait. Is Spike his real name, then? Uh-oh. <laughs> is the, well, mm. I assumed so, yeah. <laughs> what? Okay. What was Spike's... Vicious name then. If Vicious got a name from do- doing killing so good, 
Spike was apparently pretty all right at this. What mm. do you think his he name was? He got it was? after the high school prom incident where the uh, the punch was uh, flooded with a lot of the uh, illegal <laughs> drugs. And so... <laughs> yeah. I was... Uh, I, well, no, I was just thinking more along the lines of, like, his name would just be, like, Enwi or whatever. <laughs> just, like, generalized depression. <laughs> like, that's... Spike. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Um, yeah, one of the other fun shots is this is um after they show Mal getting murdered, there his vicious his birds flying around and so like feathers are falling down and it's in front of this like angel statue, like in the classical Greek sense, and then it cuts to the title card, which is Ballad of Fallen Angels. So yeah, a little bit of symbolism there. <laughs> They're being very subtle, as this show tends to. I love I love the fucking paper bag filled with grenades. <laughs> it's so, so good. Like they're doing the shittiest cover of all time when Spike's like, yeah, I'm going to need like some guns and stuff to deal with this Annie because he knows, you know, Annie probably still has some shit. And uh, yeah, it just like takes out a paper bag and right in front of Jet, like no concern at all. Just dumps a bag of grenades on the table and like <laughs> a pistol with like 10 clips of ammo. And he's just like. Yeah, it looks good. And Jet's like, hey, so uh, what the fuck? Hey, uh, <laughs> hey uh, so uh, what the fuck do you need 10 fucking grenades for, my guy? Yeah, there's <laughs> like, actually some really good dialogue here, uh, early, both early in the episode and late in the episode, where between Jet and Spike, where like Jet knows that Spike has a syndicate background, but like he doesn't want to come outright and say that. And like Spike knows that he's kind of beaten around the bush and starts teasing Jet about his uh, busted arm, which I guess is a sore subject. Uh, to Jet, of course, so. Jet is like an info, so you know, like a CIA, NSA kind of guy. So of course, he kind of looked up uh, Spike's history, but is being polite about it. Yeah, I, mean, I really like the way that Spike basically tells it to fuck off without <laughs> being like, "No, it's personal. Like, I can't tell you that." He's like, because he's like, "Yeah, well, what about your arm?" Which you know, Jet is always like, "Well, that's personal shit. I don't want to talk about it." It's like, yeah. Just like my background, Jet, it's personal. But without actually saying that, yeah. it's great. It's, uh, well done. Also, it's pretty clear this is an ongoing thing between them yeah. based on where the tensions are at the start yeah, they of the episode. They have, like, like back history, and, but they don't want to touch on it. So This clearly is a thing that whenever it comes up between Jet and Spike, there's fucking problems. And so like they expect it and see it, and Jet's just immediately like, don't, dude, come on. We've done this one. Stop it. <laughs> And Spike's like, nah, but I gotta, you know, it's like uh, honor or whatever. And this is, yeah, just it's a constant struggle because they immediately are like at a nine out of ten at on the argument scale. Yeah. <laughs> like they're already pretty fucking mad from the word go. It's Yakuza shit, dude. Don't butt in. Uh, some more good stuff is uh, early, it's earlier. It's a New Jersey thing. You don't get it. Yell <laughs> Spike as he runs out. <laughs> to go to the Wawa's. <laughs> Um, I gotta go get a wild walk. It's hoagie fest. I'm out. <laughs> you have a um, can what, of peepoo while you're there. Yeah, yeah there's hey, a, can you grab me a peepoo, dude? <laughs> there's a super close shot of some peepoo, which is, I guess, a Pepsi thing. But, uh, it is absolutely a Pepsi. Yeah, the peepoo is very good because, like, it clearly, like, isn't trying to be Pepsi in any regard. No, like, there's a lot is, of that in this series that, like, they just take real things and just change a letter on them. <laughs> the letters are just, like far enough off yeah like it clearly they made it try to like they tried to evoke the same shapes the red and blue (laughs) and the silver and like the shapes of the letters overall still give about the same profile but instead of pepsi it's (laughs) people which is way better (laughs) 
Uh, some more good stuff is uh, Faye talks her way. She like smooth talks her way into the opera house earlier on in the episode, and she does some like great social engineering, which is show up like you're dressed for the part and just continue talking. And like she gets her also, way inside. Park a vehicle outside that's pretty expensive to just pilot and hand the key and assume they'll park it for you. Like yeah. that kind of shit. Just yeah, acting like she belongs there. And the best part too is the guy, the one usher, clearly his reaction to it that she's like trying to sneak through, he's just like, Oh, sorry, ma'am. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yep. it's a very important guy, but I, it doesn't seem like he gets, he knows something's wrong, right? Mm. Because like, he's on the job clearly, though. Vicious and them has to have gone up on, like, they already carried a corpse up there. There's no way that didn't look funky. <laughs> it's actually, uh, there's some fun implied stuff. So, like, that the usher that, like, parked there, you could see um, one of the things I want to talk about is, like, the, the goons that are around Vicious are way more serious business than some of the other syndicate people we've seen in the previous episodes. Like, they're all, like, yeah. stone cold. Mm-hmm. But, like, one of the shots, they show a far shot of the usher, like, flipping the key next to, like, a railing. And one of the syndicate dudes just walking up to him and they cut. And then later on, they show a syndicate dude with the key for her ship. So it's implied that that usher got fucking offed. Which is some good, yeah. just quick storytelling about that guy. Yep. Yeah. Guy, just like, rip. Yeah. yeah, also Vicious and his crew do not... Uh, they don't fuck around. Do, they, they don't fuck around even a little. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it is wild how serious... Like, they are comedically serious. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, um, try to think of some others. Also, God, some of the shots of Faye uh, realizing who is sitting next to her at the opera house. Because, like, obviously, as soon as she gets done social engineering her way up there, she gets up there and there's, you know, Vicious and all of his goons with the corpse of Mao. <laughs> sitting in the box. But, like, they, it takes a minute for this to hit yep. Faye, though, because, like, they put a gun to her back and they're just like, sit down, please don't make any noise until the show is over. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the expression uh, of her when she looks over and sees Mal, you know, cut ear to ear with a sword and, like, she just has this, like, terror across her face, knowing that she's, like, way far deep in this that, that you know. There are is, some really good Faye faces in these episodes. <laughs> Yeah, this one in particular is just a really, really great realization of, oh no, I am severely in over my head. Yeah. (laughs) Like, when the huge bounty guy that you were getting, who was like the head of a mafia, uh, oh, I found him. Oh, he's, oh, he's dead. Oh, there's people holding me, and he's down. Oh, I did so bad. (laughs) I I did the worst. Uh, There's some also good shots of when Spike goes to see uh, uh, Anna, Annie's, for the first time. Um, her reaction to seeing Spike, she thinks he's yes. dead, so she just has kind of like a dead stare on him in disbelief. She's really like good. stopping some shoplifters, some some little kids, and she basically just drops them when uh, she sees them. Yeah, and then later on, she's like, trying to like drink it, herself her brain steady. Just locks up. Yeah, it's great. Her yeah. hand is shaking the entire time like she's talking to Spike because she knows that like him showing up is bad news. And there's also the whole thing at the end, which. Oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah. I think we should probably talk about that. So um... <laughs> let's talk about it. <laughs> oh, one sec. First, real quick before that, I just want to appreciate uh, Jet's passion for trees. Yes. Tiny trees. Oh, yeah. On him. yeah, that's a recurring uh, thing. He has a bonsai it, hobby. This is the first time I think it comes up. Yes. But uh, yeah, throughout the series, uh, it, he will mention that he keeps trying to do these trees and it's Clearly, like, uh, you know, some kind of symbolism of, you know, uh, uh, I just think of it like 
a guy who's lived a very hard and fast life now deciding to try and take up like woodworking. I always, <laughs> I always whatever, think about you know, this. Just... trying to be like a tender, like a father figure to the rest of the crew. Like he's always making them food. He's exactly. always repairing yeah. the ships. Like he's trying to t- take care of these people it's despite these his inabilities. And being, yeah, extremely not that kind of guy. So him occasionally just like doing his best to stay chill and be a calm dad with his trees. <laughs> but then these fucking kids, I swear to God, and I snip off an entire branch. Yeah. God damn it. I, I yeah, also do good. wonder if it's kind of like also an exercise for him having the prosthetic arm and trying to do something really Possibly. delicate with it. That actually I think makes he sense. is holding yeah, it. like it's a rehabilitation thing. Yeah, yeah, in the robo hand. And like he chose that. He chose to do that as his like rehabilitation and 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 get any swingers just says something about him. Yeah, another thing sense. is um when Spike was gearing up to leave to go to the cathedral, um Jet is like coming to the realization that like he's going because, you know, this is his father figure to him, you know, this is he has a debt yeah. to him. But uh, one other thing I want to point out, I think I said it last episode, but I'm going to say it yet again because it shows up all the time. The series does this thing where it shows one-third profile shots whenever someone has some sort of, like, morality conflict, and it comes up a ton in these episodes. So, like, I don't know if when you're doing your own viewing, watch out for that. But, um, yeah, I think we should probably talk about the end of this episode, which is the shootout at the cathedral. This is a huge just John Woo homage right here. Like, God. everything about it is John Woo. It's in a church. Yes. <laughs> they have a it's so good. purple color like palette is, for the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. I really was like, genuinely so well expecting doves <laughs> when he like walked in to just like shoot up. I'll be honest. It I couldn't remember if as Spike fell out the window along with the glass, <laughs> if at one point doves passed in front of the camera. Like I was like, hmm, I don't Maybe. know if my brain's just auto-completing those in there or if they're actually there. And spoilers, they're not. That was my brain just assuming there were doves. It's so believable. <laughs> yeah. It's so believable. Like if someone just like made an edit of that and posted it on Twitter and just being like, I found the original cut, like everyone would just have to accept it because like it's basically true already. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some uh, fun things about the uh, shootout scene is, like, first off, they show a whole bunch of, like, the pews and, like, the marble columns and stuff getting blown up, which is kind of like a John Woo staple sort of thing. They also do the very John Woo thing of, like, whenever, like, a mook gets shot, like, they show him kind of, like, writhing in pain as he falls to the ground, which is very John Woo-ish. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's in a church. Um, <laughs> so <simple>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone falls out of a stained glass window, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Down um, to happen. Yeah, during uh, Spike and Vicious's standoff at the end, they kind of, like uh, we said earlier, they have them at sword and gunpoint. Um, while they're monologuing to each other, they show, like, a stained glass symbol with, like, you know, the cross and the symbol of Christ and stuff. And then <laughs> as he gets thrown out the window, because Vicious picks him up by the neck and chucks him through the, like, third-story window, um, it goes in the slow-mo. Um, Vicious sees the grenade in slow-mo that blows him up. The explosions are very pretty in slow-mo. And, you know, it goes into the whole flashback situation, so... It also, like, I really, really like how the music track doesn't actually stop for the explosion. It just keeps rolling as the whole thing happens. Like, a minute straight of slow motion of Spike falling out of this stained glass cathedral window. That, like, 45 seconds in, it finally explodes, but the flashback just continues unabated. Like, it's Yeah, there's also so some good, good match cuts, too. As he gets thrown through the window, the flashback happens. So we see, like, the match cut of the glass shards matching with a ripped-up note that Julia throws out during the flashback, which was nice editing, I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, oh, towards so the end good. of the flashback, um, there's a scene of Spike all beat up in bed with Julia humming to him, and that's where it cuts over and matches with Faye doing the same thing, but she's tone deaf. So, <laughs> which God? It's a good I, joke. I, again, it's <laughs> it's so good too because like Spike is just super wounded, and I. I have personally experienced the joy of both being a friend in the hospital who is on the verge of death or having a friend in the hospital on the verge of death who has such a sense of humor that they're willing to crack jokes despite it. And it is the best. (laughs) This is one of those moments of just like, come closer, please. I need to tell you something in my last dying breath. You couldn't carry a tune with a bucket, motherfucker. (laughs) It's just always so good. Yeah. Yeah, that episode's one of the more serious ones. This series seems to sends the flip between the the comedy and the tragedy a bit. Oh so. God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this one was God, very yeah. different from the first four. Yeah, it's the first serious one. Another thing they did in this episode that you pointed out, uh, Vickis, that I really like and like really has a very hard contrast in one of the later episodes we watched today is uh, they let the one music track run over everything yep. without stopping. Yep. Um, and, oh, boy, do they love playing with when the music starts mm-hmm. and stops and having it run over when it should or, like, you know, have it clearly get interrupted at a very awkward part musically. Yeah, there's like, a great They use a lot of musical of understanding. Yeah. And, yeah, that, that episode five, it's a good one. Yeah, it's like good. the first of the spikes uh past episodes which there's like what like probably like four or five total? yeah like the last three are all centered around him but they mm-hmm. actually go into yeah. the backstory for all the characters on the bebop which is nice but mm-hmm. yeah so episode six is sympathy for the devil uh we get a dream sequence of an operating room with some eyeball motifs and shit and then uh spike just kind of wakes himself up he's in a bar and there's a kid playing a harmonica in front of him uh so we learned that uh, spike and jet are tracking down a bounty the guy's name is giraffe um they're about to go capture the dude, but a rival bounty hunter named Fatty comes in. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about this later, but I love that scene. Yeah, and so like they realize it's they're so about to good. lose. The, yeah, they realize they're about to lose the bounty. So Jet plays up like really ham-handedly to interfere. He's like, "Hey, how you doing?" And so they go, you know, meet up. Spike eventually trails. It's amazing because it is some of the best animated. Two people not wanting to talk to each other <laughs> and having to do it anyway. It's so uh, good. It's fucking gold. It's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Spike trails Giraffe but loses him in a taxi, so he gets in the swordfish to follow. Uh, we see, the audience sees that Giraffe eventually confronts his um, person he is tracking, which is named Zebra and the little kid whose name is Wen. Um, and he gets shot out the window. Spike is flying in a swordfish and actually saves him um, from falling. Uh, wow. He lands on a roof nearby. But the guy dies, and he gets, like, no info. But he does get a ring, and the guy tells him to ask, or he asks the dude to help him. I guess and don't trust yeah, like, him. Don't, don't trust what he looks like. Help him. Yeah. Which, okay, great, thanks. Well, I, I figured it out, so I felt like Spike should have. <laughs> Come on, Spike. He does have a moment later in the episode. It's like, Spike, ah, who, for me. what it's worth... Also did not see the kid and the wheelchair. So, like, it didn't True. see that right beforehand. Yeah. So, did not know that's who he was talking about. Yeah, he was just He was just giraffe. flying to catch him. Yeah. yeah, he was just flying by and he saw a motherfucker fly out of a window and he was like, not again. <laughs> Which, by the way, Spike has gotten pretty good at that. Like, yeah. he caught a dog like that. He caught a guy like I'm that. We're going to talk about that because there's some really good animation text for that scene. But um, <laughs> yeah. on, on the Bebop, they start looking at this ring that they have. Uh, Jet's like, well, I'm going to go talk to Fatty to get some info. Uh, he does so. He realizes that Giraffe was out to go kill Zebra, which was a former friend of his, and they think it's maybe a betrayal or something. And they also think that when the kid is Zebra's son. 
Um, later on, the Bebop jet is doing some research into the backstory of these two. Uh, Faye notices that a news article on the screen shows that Wen was a kid 30 years ago and looks exactly the same, which is kind of weird. weird. Yeah, like specifically, Jet's just doing research, and Faye notices that it, it, there's a different guy in the wheelchair that the kid's with, and is like, "Wait, what? Why? That's not Zebra. Who's who? The fuck's that guy?" And then immediately is like, "Wait, this was 30 years ago. Wait, why is that still a kid?" Yeah, it's a pretty good reveal of just them being like. How did we miss that this was 30 years? Like, yep. the fact that Jet's been looking at this and just, like, it's so nonsensical that, of course, he wouldn't have checked. Like, right. it's just like, yeah, it's a story about this kid. Yeah, so uh, Spike eventually trails Wen a second time and ends up in a warehouse. Um, Wen shoots Spike in the arm and says that he's not a kid. We get a flashback of Wen as a kid um, in a field with his parents. And then we see the gate accident. Um, it's kind of referenced a couple times beforehand, but, like, there is uh, one of these time... Of warp gates around the moon in the future or sorry in the past and uh it blew up and blew up most of the moon it didn't with it. go well yeah and so this affected when in a way that now he can't age which is kind of strange but uh he has been picked up by several people and experimented on to see why he's not aging but eventually he uh, outlived all of them and now uses it seems like for what it's worth he can't age or, or, or die. Yeah. It seems yeah. like that's yeah. an important part of this. Pretty invincible. Yeah, it's kind of like time has stopped for him, including him kind of getting hurt. Yeah, yeah. It's not really expounded upon, but it's yeah. It, it just gets get exactly hurt. what it needs. You don't need to worry about it. Yeah. It and the best part is the characters all react to it roughly with the same amount of. So this is just wizard shit at this point, right? <laughs> there's a great, yeah, it's just wizard there's stuff. There's a great like, scene after the chase where Jet and Spike are talking about, like, well, uh, his they say that his circadian rhythm got stopped by the go, by the gate thing. And literally and the scene before it, Spike fucking domed him with a revolver. And he just got up and walked away. Yeah. <laughs> and they're both just like... Do you understand any of that? No, not at all. Me neither. <laughs> and it yeah. just continues. And that's all the explanation it deserves. Yeah, it's funny because it like, Jet's great. like, yeah, that's what I think. And Spike's like, uh-huh. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, I'll so, take your word for it. Yeah, Zebra, or sorry, um, Wen has been using different people as, quote, adults for him in, as cover so he can move around. Um, he then tries to shoot Spike. Uh, uh, Spike gets shot in the arm, but um, they have a shootout and he shoots Wen in the head. But when he goes to check, Wen's not there anymore, and Spike kind of just thinks he's invincible, so that's weird. Uh, they return to the Bebop with Zebra, who they think is dead, but he's not actually dead. He's just kind of, like, paralyzed or something. So they use this, like, thing called the Alpha Catch. It's kind of like Another wizard brain... machine. Yeah, it's like this brain scanning thing they put on this dude's dead, and, like, they can see his memories and thoughts. Uh, so they do that, and they see Giraffe's final moments. They knew that um, he confronted Zebra and Wen, and then Wen shot him because they think that the ring can return aging to Wen. So they make a bullet Zebra out of it. basically, like, the final memory they see is Zebra holding up the ring and being like, I got you now, motherfucker. I know this is what you're afraid of, you stupid son of a bitch. This, this thing I'm holding in my hand, the ring, in that case anyone needs you. to check later. Yeah. And then he gets shot. Oh, no. And he falls out the window. <laughs> oh, no. But I was shot now. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, they make a bullet out of it, and, uh, like, I guess Spike is just going to go shoot the kid with the bullet. And both Jet and Faye kind of think that he's a dead man. (laughs) I love how stupid this is, just because he's like, so, uh, we think when I shoot the gem in the kid, it's going to... 
do what now? Dad's like, I don't know, man. Might work. Probably good. Kid might explode. We don't know. Spike's like, just sure, like, Spike's I'll, just kind of like, I'll take that bet. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it sounds like fun. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> the reason not? he thinks it's fun. Yeah, so uh, Spike <laughs> flies out and he finds Wen driving a taxi, so he shoots it and it crashes and it blows up, but Wen is completely fine. More credence to the fact he's invincible. Uh, he they drove into this... a gas station, too, so there's a giant explosion and it's great. <laughs> it's silly. Uh, yeah, so the end of it uh, ends with a standoff. Um, Wen shoots at Spike a couple times but misses. Uh, Spike shoots him in the forehead with the crystal bullet or whatever, um, and he just starts aging super rapidly and then just kind of dies. And that's the end of the episode. And Spike seems totally fine with this. <laughs> Don't see that every day. Sp- well, he yeah, kind of does, handles I guess. Everything. <laughs> Spike's like, seen a lot of crazy glad. shit. <laughs> I'm glad it's only Spike down there. I don't know if everyone else would have handled that quite so famously well. <laughs> just like, oh, I just shot a child in the head with a bullet, and he turned into a tiny old man and died in, like, five seconds. That's weird. Huh. <laughs> That's weird, I guess. <laughs> All yeah, right, so. best scene of the episode. <laughs> they see Fatty across the room. They're like, oh, fuck, another bounty hunter is here. And Spike's like, well, you better do something about that. And Jet's like, hey, Fatty. <laughs> Fatty's like, oh, fuck. Hey, Jet. <laughs> it's real good. And they go I, off I and they overstate. pat each other. And, oh, and just like, so good. hey, buddy, how are you doing? Good, buddy. How are you doing? And it's just and so They're good. both looking like, at each other like, hey, fuck you. Hey, fuck you. But they're both like... Oh, they gotta bros. play it to the hilt now. Oh, we're bros now, yeah. It is so important to state that Serene did not insert the like <laughs> brief moment of Fatty having the realization of what's happening and going, oh, god damn it, before. <laughs> yep. so, oh, like, they actually animate him being like, fuck, oh, okay, oh, hey, man, how's it going, Jack? Yeah, because yeah, like, like, he can't say anything because he'd blow his cover. And so yep. like, he has to go and play it straight, which is fantastic. Yeah, he can't just be like, I'm doing a bounty now. <laughs> Please, excuse me. Yeah, they both they both have that moment of ah oh, fuck when they oh, see fuck each it's other. him. Ah <laughs> oh, fuck. There's a uh, good shot well, like- I didn't talk about in this uh, that's kind of like not pertinent to the plot, but uh, Faye is looking in the fridge in this yes. episode, which is completely empty, <laughs> both for one can of dog food, <laughs> and so I'm just kind of sitting there looking expectedly at Faye. It cuts between Ayn and Faye like five times of her looking at the dog food. Him just standing by his bowl, which is a shot that the show goes to a lot. Yes. (laughs) And it's great because, like, she starts talking, like, she starts eating the dog food. And she tells Ayn, like, listen, you're a hunter. You can go out and find your own food. Us women are delicate and refined as she's, like, throwing dog food into her mouth. Eating a can of dog food. Well, that's the best part is she says, yeah, she, like, takes one bite and is, like, we're refined and then turns away and then turns the whole can up and just like shovels it in her face right after saying like oh I'm just a delicate refined lady Ein <laughs> cut back to Ein just still standing, sitting by his food bowl disappointed like, yeah the only way it would be funnier uh, is if like just for that one line they had Norio Wakamoto doing weird eating noises <laughs> instead just as she slurps down the dog food it just temporarily turns into Norio Wakamoto famously <laughs> going ham on noodles <laughs> um, there's a scene uh, when Spike is tracking trailing giraffe for the first time um, it's playing a song don't bother none which is real good but there's like small ticks in the animation that they could have completely skipped and wouldn't have made a difference for the point of the story but like they just add to the character. So, like, one example is, like, Spike is walking through an alleyway and almost gets run into it by a drunk guy and he kind of just does this spin move and says, like, sorry, bud, watch out. Like, they didn't even need to animate that. But, like, his 
his like nonchalantness as he walks by this drunk dude is just more character being added and it's just a yep. nice touch. The drunk guy's on screen for maybe two seconds total, but yeah. it just makes it so much better than Spike leaves to go get his car, you know? Yeah. There's another one, like, uh, there's a cut or a shot earlier where Giraffe is leaving an elevator, and it's a really low wide-angle shot. And, like, they could have just shown, like, him from, you know, chest level walking out of an elevator, but, like, they just decided to go low-angle on it, which, you know, is kind of cool. Um, one other thing I did want to talk about earlier is when Spike sees Giraffe falling out of the window and tries to catch him with the swordfish, there's, like, some really quick animations of Spike doing stuff in the cockpit. Like, he, like... I don't know, he moves his foot on, on the rudder pedals and, like, changes, like, buttons on the cockpit for, like, half a second to, like, show that he's piloting real hard. Yeah, they, they do that a lot, and it's really, really good because it's... they All of the ships have kind of the same set of, like, pedals and brake things, and it really gives you this feel of, like, all the ships having, you know, this standardized interface, yeah, which we'll I really like. Yeah, talk about later in the next episode, but, um, yep. yeah, it's really cool, the mechanical details they put into him piloting. One thing uh, I really loved that we passed over, it's just like a little bit of dialogue and exchanges between the characters early on. So they're all talking about how much they love the blues and all that, you know, because it's blues music. And they're being old men talking about blues music. (laughs) And they are extremely old men talking about blues music in the best way possible. Like, literally the first thing is like, hey, Spike, hey, Jen, I thought you liked jazz. It's like, jazz, please. I I was... I was aware and loving the blues. The doctor slapped my ass, and I hit a perfect <laughs> flat fifth. It's <laughs> like yes. a and then it hipster comes baby. Very cool. It's like, I does. was liking the blues when I was in my dad's sack. Dad's nutsack. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, I was, I was cum, and I love jazz. And, and it literally, the blues. like, it just tells you As so much about nuts. this character instantaneously. <laughs> like, he's acting exactly just, like Jed is, and it's beautiful. Oh, it's so good. They're both just fucking dads talking about the blues. (laughs) It's awesome. Uh, And there's a lot of little details like that. And also just Spike, when he's kind of interacting with Jet during that, Spike's just kind of like cracking up, just kind of being like, yeah, yeah, old man. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Hipster baby. Very cool. (laughs) You make a hipster baby joke. (laughs) Forgot about that. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other stuff. Um, the uh, when Spike is eventually tracking down uh, when driving the car, there's some really good animation of Spike shooting the car off the road. That like again, they didn't really need to animate that well, but it just it makes it very stylish the way it kind of cuts over the whole chase scene. It's like it's shot like a movie chase scene, and like all the chase scenes in this show are. It's even when it's like you know just a random end of episode chase. It's really good. Yeah, and then the last scene of the final uh, showdown that they have, um, it shows just Spike standing there while Wen just shoots at him a couple times, and like he's unflinching, just looking at the kid. And then like <laughs> after he's done firing, he like lines up his shot very slow because he's shooting with his bad hand. If you didn't notice, he got shot in the right arm earlier in the episode. Yes. Yeah, and it's oh, that's why he was going slow. Yeah, that like makes he puts sense. the gun yeah. to his head, then out slowly, and then there's a first person shot of him lining up the 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 iron sights on it. And of course, Wen also, doesn't give a shit because he's literally immortal. Yeah, he thinks he's invincible, so he doesn't even move or anything. <laughs> I really love good. that, by the way, that they, for some reason, have a target pistol. I don't know why they have a target pistol, <laughs> but they have one. They have a single-shot pistol just on hand, I guess. Just in, in case, case you of... need to forge a bullet so that you can send the a Dark Lord yeah, back into Mordor. <laughs> yeah, in case you need to shoot I mean, a time fair, gem a into an evil child. So. <laughs> True! <laughs> 
So yeah, somehow they got a target pistol. So good on good on you, Spike, for right. getting that. Well, Jet is just prepared for every contingency. <laughs> exactly. He did have the gem oh. analyzer as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, they use that microscope analyze thingy several times. Like it comes back several times in different episodes. Um, the last thing I want to mention about this episode is also that it ends with the very first bang of the series. Oh yeah, he does the finger. He so the ending's weird. Like after he sees Wen turn into an old man and die in front of him, like he dropped his harmonica <laughs> on the ground. Sorry, that's a really good way to describe it. He turns into a little man and dies. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I'm a very small grandpa. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's basically what literally. Happens. It is what literally, happens. It's, yeah. it's, it's really like it's this weird, like kind of horrifying scene, and just the description of yeah, it just turns into a little man and dies. It's real, <laughs> it's real fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, so um, yes. he drops the harmonica on the ground, and uh, Spike picks it up and tries blowing into it, and it just doesn't work for him, which is kind of funny. But then he just throws it in the air and finger guns it, and that's how the episode ends. Bang! And it's it, it's really funny too, and you consider that like this dude who clearly was like hundreds and hundreds of years old, like he turned into a child at this accident that happened all these years ago, uh, and. <laughs> And he's like saying, like, do you understand how I feel, Spike, with all of my experience and knowledge all the time and the things I've thought over? And Spike's just like, nope, nope. don't get it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, fucking dipshit. The I person you gave your death rattle to. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be the most depressing thing, living to be like 150 as an evil mastermind. And then you give your final heartfelt speech and you're like, well, this surely will impart my message to the world. And then you realize the guy you told it to is just doesn't care. A bag of hammers. <laughs> like, oh, come on. Spike's like, for me, it was Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang, pistol go, shoot. <laughs> uh, so let's go on the next one. Uh, episode seven is Heavy Metal Queen. Um, we see some establishing shots of space trucking. Woo. With metal in the background. Of course, yeah. Uh, a woman gets I out. I love the trucks. I love space yeah, trucks. Why are they trucks later? Why aren't they cylinders? I must know. <laughs> There's a reason, later. and it's great. So um, <laughs> a woman gets out. Her name is VT. Uh, she's talking to another space trucker. Uh, it comes out that she has this game where people try to guess what her real name is because she only goes by VT. Uh, the guy guesses and loses. VT she has, has a giant pile of money from this, so you yeah. immediately know that this is just a thing that happens. Yeah, it's actually kind of uh, an interesting tip. Yeah, so like I, the guy just gives her like a dollar and like she just puts it on the stack and the stack is quite large. So this has been going on for a while. Um, so she heads to a diner. There's a bunch of bounty hunters just sitting in there. Uh, Spike's in the bathroom. He's pissed that everybody knows that they're looking for this dude named Decker. He's uh, also only... extremely hungover. Yes, that comes up later. Um, <laughs> the only thing they know about Decker is that he has a dragon tattoo. Um, outside in the uh, area, the waitress there is getting harassed. So VT steps in and defends her. A uh, fight starts up. Spike is very drunk and hu- or very hungover and is trying to just nurse it off. But um, he gets pulled into the fight and ends up defending VT. Which we have got to talk about yeah. Oh, yeah. how hungover Spike <laughs> is. Because it is some transcendent hangover. <laughs> yeah, so VT, uh, it comes out that VT hates bounty hunters. But she's impressed by Spike for defending her. Uh, elsewhere, Faye thinks that she's got Decker. Uh, she actually mistakes him for someone else. The real Decker leaves, and uh, she ends up realizing that's him, so they chase him. She gets her ship blown up, and she's very sad about this. 
Uh, back at the bar, Spike um, eventually gets his cover as a bounty hunter blown because I think Jet talks to him on the radio. Uh, so v- Jet calls him on the phone and is relaying information about Decker, the we new got bounty. bounty and- we got to hunt. Go get that bounty. Yeah. Bounty hunter Spike. You gotta, you gotta go get that bounty. <laughs> Bounty. Spike, my friend, who is a bounty hunter <laughs> as trade. <laughs> yeah, so VT gets real pissed and kicks him out of the bar. He goes outside and realizes that the dudes that he beat up earlier have trashed his ship, um, so he needs a ride. And so he eventually him and Faye hitchhike with their broken-ass ships on the back of VT's thing out to the Bebop. We cut to VT uh, getting a call from a buddy who was involved in a hit-and-run. Uh, they start looking for the culprit based on the fact that their ship has like a weird painting of a goddess on the side of it. They eventually uh, they re- radio around and eventually realize that it's Deckard, um, the dude they were trying to find at the bar. And they find him, and so there's a chase scene between VT and Decker. Uh, they With this in- fucking truck. Yeah, they're trucker chasing. They're both in. VT they, they both does not know. VT does not know that that other truck is full of nitroglycerin. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. The other thing. Yeah, and that's why the bounty was out because the Decker guy was hauling high explosives. Uh, so they mm-hmm. call. She calls Spike up. Um, Spike warns her, like, hey, the mines are dangerous. Also, Decker was hauling these explosives, um, and so he and Faye leave the ship um, in their two respective spaceships, which are only half repaired, uh, which Jet has been working on throughout the entire episode. Mm-hmm. Jet's like, I gotta fix these fucking things for you. Yeah. I keep destroying them and I have to fix them. Ungrateful shitheads. <laughs> uh, they chase Decker into the asteroid mine. Uh, Decker sets off some explosives to try to lose them, but he end- ends up crashing with VT and dies. He gets sucked into the vacuum of space. Uh, so the three of them are now trying to find a way to leave this mine, but there's like cave-ins happening everywhere and they eventually get trapped. Turns uh, out it's an explosive mine, and they also have a truck full of explosives in the explosive mine. Well, there's yeah, explosions just explode in the in explosive mine. mine. Yeah. So uh, they realize in order to break out, they need to get explosives from Decker's Hall. Um, they eventually and grab explode one. explode the mine. They need to explode yeah. the mine. Yeah. For the record, I am very glad that Spike's whole take on this situation, Spike, who decided, yeah, I'll go kill the time wizard with a <laughs> crystal bullet for one fun. Yeah, one episode ago, Spike, who was just like, yeah, that sounds like a good time. Sure, what, what's danger? Uh, then when faced with, oh yeah, he drove all the explosives into the explosives mine, goes, Jesus Christ, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how dangerous See, it is. It's dangerous enough that even Spike is like, are a known that's quantity. tremendously stupid. Yeah. <laughs> explosives are a known quantity. Time wizard, don't, no one knows how dangerous they could be. Exactly. Could, yeah. be, could be a pushover. Well, that yeah. makes it exciting, though, right? Right. Yeah, so they get explosives from Decker's Hall. They put it into, like, Spike's monopod thing and fly it off so it explodes. Uh, Spike eventually gets in the VT ship because of this. There's a great... The whole scene of him getting into the ship and being in the vacuum is great. Yeah. Um, So they all escape as the asteroid just blows itself up. Um, While Spike is in VT's ship, he sees a locket floating around, and he ends up guessing her correct name, which is Victoria Terpscoach? I I don't know. Score. It sure. was different in the dub and the subs, and yeah, I don't remember either. <laughs> I would yeah. not, not have won that bet. Is what is I'm saying. Is the actual answer. The name is not relevant. It's more important is yeah. who her husband yeah. was, he which was a famous because, bounty hunter. Yeah, as a famous bounty hunter, and he yeah. saw in the locket he was his wife, or she was his wife. Um, and yeah, so she tries to give him the cash, but he only takes one bill back, saying that like the rest is for your husband because he's dead and he's drinking and in he's heaven. Hung over in heaven. Yep. Yeah. So um, I have a fun story about this. Uh, you asked why the trucks were not cylinder shaped. 
Um, I inadvertently uh, watched a movie the other day uh, named Space Trucking. Uh, it stars Dennis Hopper. It is. Um, uh-huh. It was made in like the <laughs> mid '90s. It's very bad. Sounds it, like it would be made in the mid '90s. The truck designs, the space truck designs in Bebop are a direct ripoff reference to that movie. Oh with my Hopper. god! And like I <laughs> did not know about this, and I just kind of watched it on a whim yesterday, uh, Friday night. Word. Without what even is it knowing. Called? Space trucking. Space trucking. Space truckers. Something like that. Because one, of, there's a Deep Purple song that's well, space yeah. trucking. It's, it's a 1996 film, Space Truckers, with Dennis Hopper. <laughs> space truckers. Well, fuck me running. Yep, that's a real movie. Yes, it's a bad movie. It's a really bad movie. But um, yeah, that's the trucks look exactly the same uh, to the effect of like the cabs in the front with its jets on the side, the, the cargo behind its triangle shape. You know, multiple links. Oh my god, yeah. that's incredible. The pachyderm. Yep. It's so good. <laughs> it sucks so bad. Oh, God. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. So, well, there's, there's a lot. So, the more you know. Yeah, we learned about uh, the film Space Truckers today. <laughs> yeah. So, this is a pretty yeah. lighthearted episode, but uh, there's a lot of stuff in it that's really great. Oh, one thing we don't ever really talk about is the episode previews at the end of episodes, which, which Vickers and I watch. And the one for this episode was fucking amazing. <laughs> it was just them all yelling while heavy metal music played in the background going, What? What's this episode about? I can't I can't hear you. What? Well this heavy metal playing? What? All of the next what? episode previews are so creative in this show. Yeah, I guess we could skip <laughs> those and have them talk about we can if we want. I just normally skip them, but Yeah, but they're normally fine, but that one was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there's some fun shots in this one. Um, the intro with the shows that all the trucks doing heavy metal space trucking stuff. There's a lot of like high and low shots um, that kind of highlight the fact that this is zero G. Like people are upside down and just floating sideways and stuff, which is real fun. And of course, there's a straight space trucking network. Why wouldn't there be? <laughs> well, I mean, they're truckers. Yeah, when they're all c- when they're calling each other on the ham radio, oh. it's fucking awesome. Every yeah. one of the different so truckers having a ridiculously detailed truck that like clearly shows their interests. Like, there's the one dude who has like a magazine with the lady, but like just out outside of the shot is like a billion stuffed toys. I fucking love that. I mean, I personally like the guy who had a shit ton of booze and bullets. Yes. <laughs> yeah, everyone gets, hey, you get your th- truck theme when you get when you become a space trucker, mm-hmm. you get your theme. It's like clown's face paint. No one can have a repeat, so yeah. you're going to have to come up with something new. <laughs> yeah, like some of the trucks that you mentioned later, they almost like, what is it, the, the Japanese like custom trucks, they're like the insanely decorated, silly looking ones. They were kind of yes. like that. Um, one of the things I liked about this episode is there's some amazing facial expressions between some of the main characters oh, doing stuff. Oh, God, yes. Um, Faye and Spike are both just yeah, like Faye go, watch to... and go back and watch every frame of this episode. <laughs> yeah, there's some good ones. I like the one of Faye eating a sundae. She's just completely disappointed with this giant sundae in front of her. Uh, Spike being completely hungover. He has bags under his eyes and is just the angry about everything. Level... The Spike's hangover level, I've only seen one other human being that hungover in my life, and it was me. And it was after I had, like, lost a tremendous amount of blood and also had been drinking all night. <laughs> and, like, that's how hungover... Spike looks like he got into a massive fight, lost, and continued drinking afterwards. And which, then had to go back into work the next day. And then had to go into work on Monday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's a scene, like, it, when the fight at the bar starts out, like, he is completely ambivalent and unconcerned with it. And he's just trying to make his prairie oyster. 
And uh, he ends up spilling the egg on his pants, and it just looks like he's about to kill someone. <laughs> it is the saddest scene in the world when he is just oh, trying to stay out of this fight. Yeah, because and... he's he's cracking the egg, and so for it's get bumped into, and then you cut to him, and it's his face, and he's holding the eggshell, and then it slowly goes down to the egg on his pants. Oh, also, like the egg separating... is one of the most functional ingredients in the prairie oyster. Like it, uh, you need the egg the and the vodka. Pan. The rest is optional. <laughs> yeah, the vodka and the egg is really the cornerstone of the beverage. Like, it's a functional piece of medicine. Fair, he makes his uh, prairie oyster with boof eater. Um. True. <laughs> boof eater. God, boof uh, eater London's is like... London's finest uh, gin, I believe. Yes. Yeah, London's <laughs> finest gin designed to be put directly up your butt. It's boof eater. <laughs> it's fucking boof eater gin. It's butt chug exclusive edition. Uh, oh, there was, uh, on the note of the prairie said there was a lot of loving animation to him making it, like cracking the egg into it, putting the, you know, the Worcestershire sauce and the hot sauce in there, pouring in the liquor. There was a. They didn't he, need to animate it that well. They did. They, it, they even movie. had him separating the egg from the yolk, the the yolk from the uh, white, and he's using a cigarette tray. He's using an ashtray <laughs> to so hold good. the white. It's like it's oh, it's so good. Um, another fun thing I like is that the in the middle part of this episode they show like daily life on the bebop a little bit. Like Spike is doing laundry mm-hmm. since his pants got egg on it. Like Faye has like a facial mask thing going on. Um, he's putting up his laundry later. They show Jet fixing the broken stuff in Zero G. It's just cool little like scenes like that show that like this is daily life for these people. Oh, I don't know the facial mask when she pulls that off later in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Faye makes a lot of very good faces, and yeah, right when she pulls it off, she makes a hell of a face, and also <laughs> there's like still bits of it stuck to her face. So yeah. she's just kind of like, "What do you want? Come on." Also, uh, Spike's face mask. Oh, that's that's sorry. That's, that's next, a, that's episode, next episode, right? Yeah. My bad. That's not. I almost forgot. Very <laughs> uh, good too. Yeah, a lot of good ones. Uh, the um, last thing I wanted to talk about is the mechanical design. We talked about the pod system a little bit. Like, it's not well, really. I want to talk about the uh, cool floating trick. Sure. We haven't talked about the floating Go trick sequence at all, and that sequence is so good. So the part where uh, Spike is deciding the only answer I see here is to. <laughs> Put the explosives into my capsule into my and cockpit, launch my capsule basically. at the wall. And that means I need to jump and free float in the vacuum of space for a bit. I'm going to accomplish this by plugging my nose and my ears and jumping. <laughs> like, he also doesn't tell either of them, so they both freak out when it no, happens. No, he doesn't give any heads up to the person he intends to catch him. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to do my floating trick. What does that mean? Whoop. <laughs> Spike, you're out of your ship in space. That's not a thing to do casually, my guy. <laughs> and uh, the best part, though, is he goes to get uh, into VT's ship, and they whiff. Like, he, he, does, he doesn't make it. They slip. He misses. And so Spike, after realizing, oh, oh no, <laughs> this is the worst situation, pulls out his gun and uses it to provide force so that he can maneuver his way back to the ship by firing his gun in the explosives mine. Newton's I love it. First law? Oh, God. I think, maybe. It's one of the three. I mean, the thing is, he would need to fire a lot of bullets to because bullets himself, are very yes. small. 
He's quite large. Yeah. yeah. On the system of like the pod thing he has, that's what I was wanting to talk about. The mechanical design, like you never, they never like call outright attention to it, but yeah. all of the kind of like Zipcraft ships, the like small personal ones that they have in the series, all use like the same cockpit system. So like you can have yep. like both like the, the swordfish and the hammerhead and the red tail, they all look drastically different and fly drastically different, but they all have like the same like control pod system that can fly. The mechanical pedals and. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. the same cockpit interface and it's really it's a really nice touch because it yeah, makes the world just feel that much more yeah, it feels like it's a concrete thing you know just all these systems just work on the same you know set of designs i mean it makes sense right like if it's if a vehicle becomes as widespread as for example a car it would probably have a system that's as universal as for example a, steering wheel a, pedals, a car yeah. yeah they basically all tricked out their 2037 toyota corollas <laughs> <laughs> 3037. That's what the swordfish is. <laughs> the Toyota Corolla. <laughs> but yes, um, with with uh, with Spike jumping out into the vacuum of space, if you haven't already suspended all of your disbelief when it comes to science, that's that's the moment. Worry about it. That's the moment when you're just like, okay, just forget about it now. This is just cool. This, this is, is awesome. Just- he held his. Hey, he held his breath. He plugged his ears first. It's, it's fine. Actually, really it's bad fine. to hold your breath in the vacuum. Yeah, you space. want to expend all of your breath personally because it will yeah. blow no, up your fine. lungs. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's a vacuum. I don't know how that works. <laughs> they didn't know that in 1999. No one so, had ever been to space. Yeah, you just got me like, oh, this is this is cool. They did this because it's cool. That's fine. And it's For, really cool. Forget all about science. Are you this telling is cool. me? Are you telling me that if I got some old port barrels and you were to say, put me in the port barrels and throw me at the earth from space, I wouldn't be fine? That was actually more realistic because he was in a spacesuit. He also did get frostbite, which is something And he that, uh... was getting fucked up. Even in his spaceship, he was getting fucked up. So that was actually way more scientifically plausible than this. <laughs> Uh, so let's go on to episode eight, which is a waltz for Venus. Um, we see Spike and Faye. They're on like this commercial airliner shuttle thing. Uh, they stop a hijacking. Um, and this man, whose name is Rocco, is watching this happen. Uh, later at the airport, Rocco tries to send something out to the desert. And the guy's saying, like, that's far away. It's got to cost a lot of money. And he gets angry, but later on distracted that Spike is walking by. Um, he goes and attacks Spike. Spike is cool as shit. Yeah, he goes and attacks Spike with a knife, but Spike easily counters and trips this guy into the ground. Roko is very impressed, and he wants Spike to teach him martial arts. Spike is having none of this. But Roko is very persistent and eventually convinces Spike to teach him. Um, outside, they're like, um, he's like, okay, come at me with a knife. So Roko does this again, and is again easily countered and tripped and falls on the ground. Um, Spike says, uh, starts giving a Bruce Lee speech, saying, like, you got to be fluid like water. You know, don't you like water, up. my friend. Um, Roko doesn't understand what's going on, but he then spots several other men walking around, um, gets very concerned, gives Spike the package he was holding, and says to meet him at this uh, mosque in a few days, and then runs off, and the people go and chase him. Important Spike to is, note that there are two packages, like, in this episode. Roko, Roko has two of them. He yes, mails he one of them one and hands the, the other to Spike. Place, and the other one he gives to Spike. Yep. Uh, so back at the Bebop, Jet is looking for the next bounty. Their bounty target is a guy named Picaro. Um, he stole this plant called the Gray Ash, which is good for curing the disease that people on Venus can get. Lo and behold, Spike actually has the plant that uh, is, you know, the weird. Yeah, worth a lot of money. Oh, it's you know this weird plant worth ten million dollars. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, so Faye immediately wants to sell the plant. Uh, Jet says, no, that's dumb. Um, we need to find Picaro instead. So they make plans to do that. Spike is going to go fly off to the desert to find the original package that Roko sent. Um, he, while he lands there, he finds his rune shuttle in like the desert. Um, inside of them, inside of it is a blind woman named Stella. Uh, we find out that Stella is Roko's little sister. Uh, she's be- blind because of the Venus sickness. And they have tea and they kind of become friends. Uh, she shows him the music box that Roko sent out. Um, and inside of it, there are gray ash seeds. And Spike realizes that Roko like, stole the plant to cure his sister. Not really because he wants money or anything. Um, we cut over the Roko. He's invaded this, his gang for a while, but is eventually caught. Um, they beat him up for a bit, and they eventually get him to spill the information about Spike by bringing up his uh, sick sister. Uh, we cut later on. Spike meets with Roko at the designated time. Uh, they talk for a bit, and Roko realizes that Spike may be after him. Uh, so he draws a gun on Spike, but Spike then says, like, I met with your sister. And then he realizes that Spike's a cool guy, so like he throws the gun away and tells Spike to escape. But Picaro's there, hiding in the shadows, and he asks for the plant. Um, Roko says no, um, tries to tackle a dude, and eventually a shootout starts. Um, one of the mooks tries to attack Roko to get the plant back, but like he has a flashback and remembers Spike's training and flips this guy over. And he looks really happy with himself. Oh, and then this scene, scene is so good. Yeah. This scene is so good. So yeah, he flips the dude over, looks very happy with himself, and Spike gives him a thumbs up, and then gets shot in the back. Uh, oh. Drops the gray ash plant to the ground, and it dies. It's a uh, really shitty plant. I gotta tell you. <laughs> the second Real it shitty. touches the Venus air, dead. Yeah. Dead. Uh, Faye shows up and rounds up, rounds up the rest of Picaro and crew. Uh, Spike goes over to Roko where he's dying, but like he can't really do anything. Uh, Roko wonders, like, have we could have been friends? Have we met earlier? And then just croaks. Uh, later, Spike visits Stella at a hospital. She had the surgery to get her vision back and will eventually be able to see. Uh, she asks where Roko is because she wants to meet him and thank him, but uh, Spike doesn't answer her, and uh, she eventually touches his face and surmises that he, uh, her sister, his sister, her sister, her brother. Roko's there, dead. Yeah, Roko's <laughs> dead, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, she's there. The dude is dead. Yeah, so she asks to be alone. Um, Spike says, you know, or then asks Spike, is like, what was he really like? And Spike says, like, oh, he was a terrific guy. And the end of the episode is Spike walking around in the streets and while the snow from the ash thing falls down. That, God, yeah. Roko is the pinnacle of stupid idiot who means well. This and fucking is just the worst, is. but means the, the wellest. <laughs> he means the wellest, but he is just the pits. Yeah, this is a, uh, one of my favorite episodes in, in the series because it does like the bittersweet ending so well to it. Yeah, this yeah. episode kind of starts out. You're thinking lighthearted, Roko. <laughs> nope. No. Oh, no. Yeah, it so, punches um, you in the gut. Some fun things I like in this episode. Uh, the first off is when they show the shuttle like flying in and landing. There's just a lot of establishing shots of the inside of this flight of like people just doing things. And like again, at least created so this is a living world. Um, there's people watching like a Tom and Jerry ripoff. Um, this little baby watching out the window. Like the flight attendants are doing their thing. It's just like oh, small man, touches. Talking of the Tom and Jerry ripoff in the last episode, it was like kids uh, come and you can meet M- Mackie and, and Manny. <laughs> yeah, Mackie <laughs> and Manny Mouse. Yeah, that yes. was fucking awesome. I, I forgot. Yeah, they say it really loud too. They're like, that. you can please meet Mackie and Minnie Mouse. Yeah, this one's like, yeah. very disappointed in her Sunday. <laughs> Um, another thing about the space shuttle flight that I really really like is that they basically explain the entire conceit of the plot like in in an airline announcement it's literally just like 
attention passengers, if you, uh, we are required, we are legally required to tell you that the Venus, that some of you may experience Venus sickness, it may be an allergic reaction, but medicines are available, and, like, it kind of just passes on from that, and the entire start of the episode goes on without mentioning that again, and it just comes back to be the entire episode, like, ten minutes later. Yeah, it's the entire setting in, like, it's 30 so seconds. It's so good. And it doesn't feel like it's, you know, exposited. It just feels no. like it's part, because it's showing the scenes of these people doing things like they're on a normal airline flight. Well, and again, it was it was like the kind of normal announcement you would have of just yeah. like, hey, by the way, there's, you know, been reported that there's a coronavirus outbreak in this region. So, like, coming. probably do this, this, and this to protect yourself. You know, like, shit like yeah. that. Like, they say stuff. Like, that's a thing. That's completely uh, normal. So completely normal. And it's this, uh, there's a way more exciting scene happening across it, you know, of all these different people gearing up to do a big hijack. So, you're not really paying attention. But sure enough, yeah, it's the crux of the episode. It's the, the driving force. Um, there's some good animation during the hijacking where Spike just like casually like takes beats up these people. Like one of them gets real close to him and he just kind of stretches and punches him in the face. And then later he just headbutts the dude without really like trying. He's just being Spike. But you can't forget how it starts. Like he's he's everyone has like put their hands up because they're they're getting hijacked and he's still sleeping with his eye uh, his face mask, mask on. And, and a guy comes up to him and is like, "Hey, buddy." You know, so the the eye match is like, oh, he's sleeping, and he just goes back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to do a heist here. I don't go to sleep, God damn it! And then Spike just casually, uh, yeah, beats them up, and it's great. I love that sleeping mask. It's just it's just very Spike. Funny. And they they need to establish that Spike is super cool to the point of being able to convince this weird nerd that he needs to make him his sensei. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, they do a really good job of that with Spike just being Jackie Chan comedy levels of beating people's ass. Yeah. It's great. Um, oh, so good. When, he, uh, when Spike actually does uh, teach Roko outside of the airport, um, one of the things I really liked is he starts talking, like he gives the Bruce Lee speech about being like water, you know, flowing and then crab crashing down and all that. Like in any other anime, they would have just shown these people talking to each other and like, you know, profile camera A, camera B shots. But like this is one long, uninterrupted shot of their hands and like he's kind of pantomiming the whole thing with his hands, which I think yeah. is real cool. Just the, like the level of effort they went through for that. I love too when they, uh, when he charges at Spike during the training and Spike does the flip where he, you know, just kind of sidesteps and grabs his wrist and takes all of his force and, you know, throws him to the ground. Again, they could have just shown him being flipped to the ground, but instead they like switch to a first person camera that like of him getting goes from looking forward to like looking up a little bit and then just tumbling all the way down and flipping over and then looking straight up at the sky. Yeah, it's like so good. Because it's one of those things, too, of, like, if you have ever been flipped over, <laughs> you know what that experience is like and what it looks. It's a very distinctive look when you flip over without intending to. <laughs> like it's Having really well done. Having thousands of times, yeah. It's uh, pretty fun. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, you practice judo? <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah. <laughs> um, another small thing that lets the world building, the entire background of, like, the city design yeah. on Phoenix is, like, really, like, Middle Eastern, almost Turkish influence. Like, you could tell by, like... First off, the architecture, like there's bizarre markets. There's like a mosque later on in the episode. Um, people are wearing fezes. The signs are in Arabic. It's just like, it's cool that they have, a, I don't know, this sort of like theme to it. Like Mars was all like Chinese influence. This is all like Arabic, mm-hmm. Middle Eastern influence. So I thought that was really just a nice good. touch. 
Yeah, like all the planets have very, very different setups. And even just yes. all the random asteroids they visit and stuff like that. Yeah, like we've already been to Tijuana. I know there's a Russian-themed one later. It's uh, mm. real cool. Um, more fun things is when they eventually find that Spike has this plant that's worth millions of dollars, like Faye just like, oh, casually says, they're like, hey, we should just keep it. It's all for ourselves. They cut to like a shot of Jet and he's kind of sweating and kind of like fidgeting in his seat like he's conflicted if he should sell it or actually give it back. <laughs> Which I thought was and then a, he's like, no, we can't. And I just love that Faye's like, but you did have to think about yeah. it. So like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> ten million is approaching your line, huh? That's about where your price is. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, like, especially from Faye, it's great because it's one of those things of if you know what you're like, if you're like, yeah, no, I'd sell it for that much money. Yeah, sure. And then <laughs> someone else is like conflicted. You're like, come on, maybe sell it for a hundred. Oh, God, that actually kind of leads into Faye is great in both this and the last episode because she has literally two modes uh, whenever she's doing basically anything. And that's like super genius femme fatale or absolute fucking dumbass. (laughs) And she switches between both of them so fucking seamlessly. It's beautiful. I was going to say the worst kind of college roommate. Like she is the yes. pinnacle shitty girl college roommate to the point of like literally when she just like walked out there in just shorts and like looked at the fridge, saw someone else's food, yep. in this case, the dogs, <laughs> and then ate it in front of the dog just being like tough shit. I was just like, I've lived with this bitch. <laughs> like, I, like, yeah, the other I know episode, this motherfucker. With like, like a bunch of fucking uh, like clothing that she bought, like a whole bunch of shit she went off shopping for and she gets into the middle of a fight and just like kind of plants herself in the situation instead of like reading the room and leaving <laughs> I also like that Ayn's food is uh, a, a running thing like I yes. think it was last episode where Jet put bean sprouts in it and Ayn was very unimpressed <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> He's like, look, bean sprouts are good for you, dog. What do you want? Aww. The dog's like, no, I don't want this. Not this. No. Um, there's some good shots of when Spike flies out to the shuttle in the desert. Um, I, this whole shuttle just gave me like a Fist of the North Star kind of vibe to it. Just the way that it's like yeah. this complete desolate place with this broken down shuttle. Because the, the way Venus is set up, there's all these like floating cities that have hanging gardens coming off them, but then the surface of it is almost entirely like desert. So you get this feel for a planet where things are being like actively terraformed, yeah. but it's not there yet. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's oh. to say like Mars is being terraformed too, because you see the cities inside the craters with air yeah. and then outside there's nothing, but yeah, it's just yep. a different type. Yep. The other, uh, there was one shot in particular, because we talk about, like, how this, you know, series has been influenced by film and, you know, takes it and uses it. Uh, they do one shot here that looks so good in this version. I don't know. It, it might be because this is just, like, the best quality I've ever watched this show at, but it was, like, <laughs> particularly striking where uh, they swing from one side of a set of pillars oh, yeah, to the gonna, other I was side. I going to talk about that, the parallax shot, yeah. 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 We'll, so we'll get like, to that in a bit. A, I, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we can talk about, about it now, scene. too. Oh, okay, sure, go for it. Yeah, we don't got to go in order, but yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> we did the order thing already. We yeah. can just go to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess you want so, to, like, later on when he goes to meet Roko at the last time at their uh, meeting point, it's a mosque, and there's a bunch of, like, a row of pillars, and it does this dolly shot of the camera going down this row of pillars, and it's all parallaxed, you know, like, ten of them in a row. It looks really nice. Yeah, so like it, it's so they're spread out in one direction, and then you pan past it, and you know they line up, and then they you fan back out the other it, direction. <laughs> uh-huh. I gotta go film. It's a dolly shot, not a pan shot. 
You put the camera on a, a rail shot. and you move Sorry. the camera. Pan is left Sorry, to right. Sorry, I have a mechanical engineering degree. And it looks my bad. sick as hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but yeah, like it, it, I'm not sure exactly how they did it because it almost looks like you know they manually did it with the like cell itself because it's so consistent. Like the pillars are so yeah. perfect what across all of them. Yeah, it, it almost looks like they like maybe had a stack of them yeah. and were like fanning them out and then putting them back together. Like it's really interesting the way it, it again, it just it moves super fluidly in a way that's a little weird, but it really does like give the film vibe yep. super hard. And I think that's what they were trying to do, right? Oh, like yeah. that's absolutely what they were trying to and accomplish. And it's like it's so much establishing more establishing this noir than it would have taken. Like, you know, if you if you do literally it's do just literally put a just, camera on a dolly yeah, like, when you're filming it, they had to like block out and draw every frame of that scene to do that in this. Yeah. Like, ah, uh. and all they'd do is just not have pillars, and then it would be the easiest thing in the world to animate. Yeah, they want the extra model. It looks great. It, it, yeah, it, there's a lot of little moments of detail and composition that really stand out in this show, and like, especially if you go and watch some like lower end properties or things made on uh, non budget, for example, the. What is it? Gundo Musashi? Is that the name of it? <laughs> the, the first episode of that you thing? That that's a masterpiece. You can't make fun of Musashi Gundo. For very different okay. reasons. <laughs> for very different reasons. But just understanding how budget really plays out. And this really is just like such a good well, It's not like, just the budget, lesson too. On it's style. the eye of the editor and the composition for these scenes. Yeah. Like, I mean, you could have a yeah, ton of money, yeah. but if you don't think about doing a shot like this, you just think, don't I want to do a yeah. scene where we do where we dolly across pillars. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying budget in particular yeah. because, like, this kind of shot is not done cheaply. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. This kind of thing is done by people who are talented and thus are expensive to hire. Um, but, yeah, it's the composition of this shot in particular was just fucking so striking. Like, all the setups for that area where the shootout happens at the end in general were just gorgeous. Like, I almost wonder if they had, like a model or like a certain set of locations in mind that they were referencing because it all looks, it looks so right, well constructed. Yeah. Like the architecture yep. is so convincing. Yeah. 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 And on that note, if we want to get to it, um, there's a scene where um, after Broco walks up and Spike is waiting for him in the mosque, um, they, they start having a chat and there's three reaction shots of Rocco. Um, the first is like he, him realizing that Spike may be after him for his bounty. And again, that's like the profile one third shot that they always do. Then they have him pull a gun on Spike, which is a front shot of him just holding the gun right up to his eye. Then it shows a shot of him on hearing of his sister that Spike was talking to her. He kind of lowers it, still in the front shot, and then he throws it away, which I thought was a nice touch of him hesitating and then, you know, trusting in Spike. You can see they what's use, going through his head, and it's yeah. great. Yeah, they use the cuts to really, like, mm-hmm. get the uncertainty and yeah. really, like, show it through film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really smart. Because it really is just him being like, yay, Spike. Oh, fuck. Wait, you're a bounty hunter? Uh, except, oh, you know my sister. Okay, good. Fine. Whatever. Go, 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 go. Get out of here. Like, it's a really, really, it really, it does like, it punctuates it to a certain yep. extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's the, right afterwards, Roko's actual death scene of him, slow, the guy throwing his punch in slow motion, Roko closing his eyes and remembering, or a close up of Roko's eyes, him remembering uh, what Spike showed him previously. And then this shot of him actually throwing the dudes maybe half a second, but like it's yep. animated like on the ones like super fluidly to like mm-hmm. hammer home that point of, you know, being fluid like water. And then him, God, it's so killer watching him, this you know, grin at Spike, giving the thumbs up. Fucking nerd. Oh, that whole shot and, is and heartbreaking. 
the best part too is the the way it's filmed and the way it's framed and the way the story is assembled there's almost a sub story that's going on that almost runs the full length of the story so it can like trick your brain into thinking like Roko did it he won he had his moment of victory yep. he did the move that's what he was trying to do right and then he gets fucking shot and you remember all oh, right fuck. yeah he, <laughs> all right he gets that shot too in the music cuts because there's a jazz track oh. playing over this entire thing and it oh, just stops so- dead when he gets shot and then, like, there's like terrifying great, face. like, funky, like, exciting, high-energy part when Roko pulls off the flip, and then he gives a thumbs up to Spike, and Spike looks back, and, yeah, it's just this big, high-energy, fun time, like, sweet, dude, cowboy awesome. shit. Oh, no. And then just stop. Just a gunshot, and it's over. And immediately, the scene goes cold. And it's... So oh, fucking well Jesus. done. And of course he drops the plant and it shatters in slow motion on the ground and shrivels up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the last scene of the episode two is uh, kind of heartbreaking. When Spike meets Stella at the hospital, she still can't see even though she had the surgery. And so like she's very happy, you know, hearing that Spike came in. She's telling about the surgery, how she can't wait to see Rocco. And then she's like, oh, why isn't he here? And she's like, and Spike doesn't say anything. He's like, oh, he's in jail, isn't he? And then Spike doesn't say anything more. She feels over and touches his face. And then that's when she has her realization of that he's dead. And, um, yeah, the entire, the music box song is playing during this. And it's, uh, kind of punctuates that point a bit. I I love too that like Rocco is clearly this well-intentioned dude who is a fucking idiot. Like just (laughs) a true fucking idiot. Like it's hard to overstate this. He thought stealing the plant would be the easiest way to get the treatment for his sister, which clearly the plant would have been enough to treat a thousand sisters. Like he went, he did the dumbest shit to do it. He did it all the wrong way. Like all this stuff. Um, and also like clearly he was wrapped up with really terrible people. They make, they, there's no shame in establishing the people that Roko was with were terrible. The scene of them, Roko going to take a piss and then like 40 dudes slowhere filter in there like, yeah, we ain't seen Roko nowhere, but we're going to kill him. <laughs> He's just sitting there taking a piss. Oh, like, God. Oh. Yeah, it's so good. Um, but like clearly Stella has this image of Rocco as this sweet, nice boy, you know, built up in her head, but she kind of knows that he's a little bit of a she knows. But Spike is willing to like kind of do one last kindness and say, like, no, Rocco was the nice boy you remember. He was the good boy. He died because of unfortunate happenstance. Well, Stella originally thinks that Rocco set up the surgery for him for her. Yeah. And then it's yeah. kind of yeah, realized yeah, yeah. that uh, Spike did it after the fact because he's dead. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a uh, it's it's pretty good. It's a pretty heartbreaking story too, because like there aren't really any like Stella's innocent, obviously. Mm-hmm. Stella's like the one person who's just like fully did nothing wrong. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, again, the shades of gray because, like, you know, Faye has no qualms with selling the plant while Jet has a bit of a higher price. And then Spike, you know, goes in on this entire thing despite the fact he doesn't need to or have to. And he he does that gets, a lot. Yeah, he has like, a very he, strong sense of duty. He could have rounded up Roko along with the rest of the people, but he decided really not to. But it well, doesn't also, work out for him so uh, well. So the, he already mentions that, like, he kind of like is willing to share that the plant exists to, you know, jet and all that. But then later on when he finds the seeds in the music box, which are, you know, he figures out are worth more than enough to pay for this surgery. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, just, yeah, he then hides it from jet when he asked, it's just like, why'd you ask? Like, Oh, no reason. I didn't find any. No, that's crazy. (laughs) What are these seeds worth? 
just asking how much, uh, not these seeds, just some seeds, in theory, would be worth. <laughs> not that I have it's them. A hypothetical. But yeah, another really good moment, too, of Spike being, you know, a super good person, as opposed to... It's funny how everyone else has some form of, like, like Faye immediately is like, yeah, get paid. <laughs> Jet's kind of like, I don't know. And Spike just doesn't seem to even consider it, honestly. Like, he's yep. just like, mm, there's a sick lady. <laughs> I need to help her. I had She That's... made tea for me. I'm basically fucked at this point. Oh, she was so she, nice. She was blind, too. How how on earth can I not oh. help her now? Like, it, It's such a running theme of the show that, like, Spike tries to avoid other people because he knows if he learns about them, he's going to start caring about them. Yeah. It's and also it's the worst shit in the world for him. It's also interesting to bring up the tea scene because during that entire scene, La Faye keeps wondering about like the people that Rocco hangs out with and Spike is kind of playing, you know, teasing her a bit, playing devil's act and saying, well, I could be one of those bad people. During all those scenes, his back was to the camera. Like it didn't show his face at all, mm-hmm. which is a nice touch. But, yeah, that's uh, one of my favorite episodes. The other one is way later in the series, so we'll get there. Yep. Yeah, I Roko as a character is kind of great, just because he is so perfectly encapsulated that big Dorko. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, who means well? Like everyone knows, in a bad gr- in, in like a big bad group like that, there's always one Dwingus who somehow got tied up in that shit, and Roko is exactly that Dwingus. Yeah. It sucks. Because you, like, you know you can't help Roko. You're like, no, dude, you're going to get fucked. <laughs> you're going to stop. You need to go. You need to leave. And Roko's just like, eh, I'm not my sister, though. And it's like, no, you dumb idiot. <laughs> There's better ways to go about this, but maybe not, uh, considering you live in a crashed spaceship yeah. in the desert. Also, it, it, it's one of the sh- first episodes that, like, obviously there's some talks of, like, fiscal inequality, yes. you know, and, like, economic oh, yeah. inequality this between the people. This episode goes in. Yeah, like, some of the other ones, like, there's hints of it, like, particularly, you know, the first episode, like, oh, we're smuggling these drugs and we're going to go to Mars, baby, where there's money and everything. It's good there, you know, like, that kind of shit, which that is inherently, you know, kind of a classist structure, right? Like, the idea of if we have enough money and can go away, life is better is kind of by its nature. Uh, But, yeah, they go way deeper on it in this one in particular because, like, Roko's sister has treatable blindness and just can't afford it. Well, it's the biggest (laughs) thing about it. Like, he's going out of his way all this way because he kind of knows that they could never actually afford this this treatment, you know? Like, the Space Liner is talking about how, like, oh, there's totally treatments for all of that stuff, but if you don't got the money for it... those you treatments, should probably leave. Those treatments yeah. are for people who can afford to go on a space liner. Yep. Yeah. It's it's good. And uh, so, yeah, next time we'll be doing episodes uh, 9, 10, and 11. Correct. Mm-hmm. Only three and, next time. Huh? Only three next time. Yeah, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, only three for the next one. Uh, and uh, now I want to kind of look ahead and see which ones we have because I feel like Ed is soon. Yes, yes. We, next have, episode. we have yep. two fun. Ed is next episode. Okay, yeah. and Good. there's two comedy episodes and one tragedy, so that, that kind of <laughs> that, does, oh boy. that feels oh. very Shakespeare. Two comedy, one tragedy. Okay. Wait, okay, I need to see what episodes were coming up. So jamming with Ed, Ganymede's LG, and Toys in the Attic. Toys in the Attic being almost filler esque. <laughs> Toys in the Attic is the one that I was thinking of when. Y'all were talking about how good their, like, joke next episodes are. Yeah. 
<laughs> I make a point to watch Toys in the Attics uh, because Toys in the Attics is really good. <laughs> and uh, I hope it says I remember it. And I hope I'm remembering this right. Because when I first watched this series, it's when it was airing on, mm-hmm. you know, Cartoon Network at night, Adult Swim or whatever. And they would do that shit where they would like air the first third and then loop back and then air like the first third plus three episodes then loop back air that chunk plus three episodes and i just want you all to think about the fact that it the show restarted after the ending of toys in the attic and (laughs) how my brain had to like parse and be like there's no way that's how this ends (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) well yeah see you next time. time Yeah, space anime.